Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Business Playground, episode two, and we're going to make this one all about you. Tatiana's back. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. Tatiana, my PR guru. Um, so we've we've definitely sold her on doing a number of podcasts, and I hope that everyone enjoys them as much as I am. So technically, today will be some insightful banter about aligning your brand. So Alana, apparently you have a couple of questions for me. Always. This is so literally tell the me, point. So tell me, this is always a surprise. It's very raw. It's very candid. So um, I know for a PR person, you get zero prep time, which I know is like your exactly. least favorite thing. But this is how I get the best out of everyone. So here we are. We're going to talk about aligning um, your brand with your behaviors. Um, But I think it's really interesting to get started because everyone will get value out of personal brand. So let's talk about your personal brand. Um, Do you think that you have one? And if so, how did you develop it? So for me, my personal brand would be myself in a social setting. I have been associated with big corporations for such a long time. So before, the way I would identify myself in a social setting would be, hi, I'm Tatiana, and I work for this company. However, now that I am stemming in a more um, to a, in a more freelance direction, um, this is when I really sat down with myself, look myself in the mirror, or look my personal brand in the mirror, and like, okay, what do I stand for? What do I represent? present. Um, so I'm still discovering this. And that's the thing when you're discovering your brand, it's it's kind of like a journey. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and you grow up and you kind of go through experiences and, you know, you kind of grow from how you deal with it. So now as a PR professional or guru, as you might annoyingly continue to insist. Yes, I hope I'll be I'll be the, the PR guru by the end of this, hopefully. Um So basically, um, for me, it's more about I want people to push boundaries with their brands. Um, And, you know, in a a creative way, people are very um, into cookie cutter gimmicks. Um, And for me, I would love to help businesses grow in a way that's outside the box, you know, really help them be comfortable with themselves and not be afraid. Um, One thing that I've um, constantly heard when dealing with clients over the years, and I would love to be the person to really break this barrier is that, you know, people will be like, oh, well, you know, are you sure that that we're able to do this because it hasn't been done before. Great. I'm like, brilliant. It hasn't been done before. Be the pioneer. So, yeah. you know, brand alignment for me right now, target audience would definitely be millennial entrepreneurs willing to push boundaries, not afraid to be themselves. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of the direction my personal brand is going in because that's how I would identify myself as a, an individual. So I love... I really want to get into the like gimmick word that popped up. Yeah. But I also want to quickly ask when your target audience for your professional brand is millennial entrepreneurs, um, boundary pushes, are you also looking to then create a social network of those people? Definitely. I mean, and that could either be with 
actual, con- but I prefer to connect in person. So that would be more by social network, like literally connecting in person, yeah. doing workshops together, networking, not just social in a way that there's a social media platform. You post some inspirational crap and then people like it. That's not That's really connecting. That's also like... Don't worry, everyone. Tatiana does post inspirational I do. content I, for you to like if you want. I can yeah. pop in her Instagram handle for you. Yeah, I'm the inappropriate meme queen. We can put that. We'll put the handle in the description. Actually, that's another thing. So speaking of a personal brand, would you on social media be your personal brand? Because... For example, me in person is completely different to me on social media. Shame. It's, it's as though my it's a, it's my alter ego. It's like my truest version of self that I could not be okay, in a work setting. Okay, I love setting. the concept of an alter ego. I, as of today, don't have one. I will work on one. I think also because I am moving more and more into um, presenter land, so like looking at running workshops in public. We've talked about this as well, collaborating on some public workshops. Definitely, I think there'll be an alter ego that presents those because I think Alana Nolan, who has a professional brand, which is pretty much the same as my personal brand, is a lot to handle. But it's so great. And I think that the for me... You can publicly access my Instagram. Um, you cannot access my Facebook because there are photos from like 2008 that I just don't know how to get rid of. Um, and they're so ugly. But anyway, that's fine. <laughs> but I post stories of my behind the scenes activities on my personal Instagram. And it's absolutely fine for me if my clients see that. It's absolutely fine for me that. People on my Instagram are my clients. Like, that's the transition. And they know exactly what they're getting when they meet me. And in fact, I'm the crazy, fun, different, kind of intellectual, sometimes when the time is right, person that they're looking for to change whatever is going on in their organization. Mm -hmm. So it is consistent, right? Like, Obviously, I'm completely unprofessional on my personal page. I'm running down the street. I'm dancing in the car, like whatever I feel like doing. But the representation is so authentic. I guess that's really the only way I've developed my brand. I have zero PR, zero marketing skill. So what you see is really all I can generate from myself okay and just a question for you how many so how many social platforms do you have right now i have instagram facebook and an inactive linkedin account okay and are they all um so it's just you you don't have a business page right now just so whoever's listening if they want to follow you what's your insta handle so my insta handle is a hot mess h-a-u-t-e um as in hot, hot couture. It's like a hot mess, but a little bit classier. Lovely. It's just a, it's just a fun game. Um, there is an Instagram coming for the business okay. because I think that whilst I don't see it directly relating to what we do, posting content, I, I don't know. Um, we may end up just stealing your inspirational crap. Um, <laughs> I think sure. it's good to be connected and. From what we're doing with the podcast and my own personal brand, kind of looking to change mindsets and create the permission for people to um, start purposeful businesses or change their business from being conventional to being more authentic and purposeful. So if I can 
do that to people that I may never meet in person and may never get the opportunity to work with, then cool, let's do that. Okay, so um, just on that um, on that topic, so you're perfectly fine with your potential clients or current clients viewing your stories just because it's more authentic. Yeah. And you, say, for example, if you were to collaborate with someone and they're doing something completely obscene on their social media, would that stop you from doing business with them? Are you asking because you want to collaborate on this podcast with me? No. <laughs> Are you I'm, public? Are people seeing your Instagram? No, no. I'm just asking because I have, for example, I have been to a job interview yeah. where this person screenshotted all of my Instagram pictures, captions that they found inappropriate. Um, and she just totally bashed my Instagram page and was like, you know, how do you think people would perceive you? And that really kind of, um, that kind of, uh, I mean, it didn't hurt me in a way because I don't really care, but what this person thought of me anyway, but it just like, you know, shook how, you a little how, bit. It just shook me. It's like, really? So you, you're you not going to do business with me? I'm so skillful, but you're going to judge me based on my social page. Um, and that's why I, I, I asked you, Yeah, would that really... I think like, you know, when you're looking at global consulting firms and global marketing agencies, sure, they have the world's most outdated HR approach. And we can talk about that another time. For sure. I think for me... Um, I'm working in such a way that's bespoke and agile and unique already. You're not coming to me for a conventional, like, white collared shirt, suit, male, pale, and stale way (laughs) of doing business. We're done with that, right? So if you want normal, you're going to get normal And then it's going to produce normal results or no results because it'll just maintain the same as it is currently. Okay. If you want change and you want new growth and new customer acquisition and new methodologies for delivering your services or um, channeling your products and you want a new level of employee engagement and you want improved retention of your staff to lower costs you may want to think about doing things differently. Definitely. So you may want to think about the girl that wears pink to work or the girl that wears ripped jeans to a meeting. We're here to work together. Like, does it really matter what I look like? If what I'm saying is so offensive and if what I'm saying is so incongruent with your values, we should never work together. Like, I can't work with people that have values that are so far removed from where mine are. So if you're revenue-focused and money-hungry, I can't work with you. And so I, I won't look for that in a client. So I think it's fine. I mean, I mean, I think there's always a middle ground at the end of the day. You hope so. I, I believe so. I think... Every, I will have it, you as my PR d- definitely, person, I so think it's fine. You know, where there's a will, there is a way. And I don't think all humans are just such assholes and set in their ways. No, everyone you has know? that little bit of human in them. So we can yeah. always reach that part. Come on, it's a, adapt or die. Adapt or die. Oh, my God. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so if we go back to you and yep. the super fun word that you used before, gimmicks. Can we talk about gimmicks in um, branding and then the use of... I've never really heard of PR gimmicks. So let's talk about gimmicks in branding and then maybe see if there are any like PR gimmicks that are fun. 
Okay, so the biggest one that everyone would know that's super relevant is Salt Bay. Okay. So Salt Bay is uh, a Turkish guy. The restaurant is called Nusret. It started in Turkey. They opened the restaurant in Dubai. This guy paid millions and millions of dollars to a PR uh, company. I don't know the name. Don't think they've disclosed that um, in America. And yeah, and it was just something as simple as his, you know, like they, they kind of aligned the brand with the way he is. He Seasoning. is like he is like that. IRL like in real life I've met him he's just mute to shit I don't know if it's because he can't speak English I thought he was a mafioso but I don't know what's his deal so they grabbed that I'm like you know what you're mute you can do you what can you do you're mute yeah he doesn't talk honestly so you know he's got this style about him the way he serves with the salt and that just became a gimmick so what ended up happening is that Every freaking brand then wanted to put Bay at the end of their whatever, their brand, whatever it may be. Right. So there was this one actually in Dubai. Some chick opened a, it's actually called a chick, it's a, rick, a chicken restaurant called <laughs> called Chick Bay or Chic Bay. I don't know what the hell. Like when I heard it, I read it as Chic Bay because it's spelled S, uh, sorry, C H I C and then Bay. I mean, um, anyways, I'm just looking him up. Oh, oh, it's it's permanently closed. Would you look at that? So that was not very sustainable at all. Um, so, you know, it's very important to, you know, when you are um, like creating a brand, just make sure that it's sustainable. Understand your current brand situation. Don't link up with the gimmicks, you know, so align the, the target audience. So the connection between like your purpose and what you're here to solve or serve that then becomes your brand. Definitely. And so then we're looking at creating colors, naming, imagery, messaging mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to a target audience. But like, how have you found your target audience? So that's the thing with with Salt Bay because it was so authentic to who he is. Amazing. You get you get organic engagements because I mean have you seen like on Instagram everyone has been doing this salt bay shit at home they think they're salt bay they're putting on the glasses the white t-shirt to be honest that little hand movement yeah it's so personal I didn't even know the restaurant that he originally was from yeah, it's, like it's, the restaurant's got zero marketing out of this in my life, in like, my bubble. It's just him and his personal brand. Exactly, because they got there, and th- this guy's probably like, "I need marketing. I need to increase the sales." I don't even know if he talks. Maybe someone else said that on his behalf. <laughs> Next minute, they come up with Salt Bay. They're opening restaurants in like Miami, New York. All the celebrities are going there. Amazing. It, it literally was like a, t- a tsunami of of publicity, of free publicity, based on this guy's personality. So yeah. So how do we create longevity for this brand? Because if you've mass capitalized, so they've laid out all of this capital to start four new locations in one month or six months or a year, whatever it is, are we writing off an Instagram 15 minutes of fame? Like how do we create longevity? What's the next step in Really, you need to sit down and and deconstruct your brand and even, say, for example, the brand representative, the brand spokesperson, really understand their character, the way they talk, and find that quirkiness about them. Right. Why why Salt Bay works so well is because they did something that no one had done before. If you sit in in a corporate boardroom and people are like, oh, yeah, you know, just get this guy and, like, putting salt all over me, like, they're going to be like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) So true. That is so pathetic. No, we're not going to invest 
millions of dollars on that. But so it's, it's like, like him and his natural environment. Exactly. Exactly. And now everyone wants to take a picture with him. Everyone wants to do what he's doing. You know, that's that's the appeal of going to the restaurant. It's not even the food anymore. It's the actual experience. So it's creating the experience for the customer and making them feel included with your brand. Yeah. This chic bay or chick bay or whatever, no one gives a fuck because Salt Bay already exists. You know, you can't... But also, like, what was chick bay doing? Was it just, we'll name it this and just be another rip-off KFC? Basically, yeah. So I'm looking here. (laughs) Yeah, it just looks like chicken burgers, mate. Like, I don't see anything else special about them. Except that they're closed. Um, yeah, except, I mean, they were not sustainable. It says permanently closed on Google. I don't know what their long-term plan is. Maybe they're rebranding. I have no freaking clue. So this is, okay, rebranding, right? Like the pivot method. So I am not a fan of pivoting. Okay. If this doesn't work, we'll pivot. Because, and okay, I don't agree with what I just said. I do appreciate pivoting if you're pivoting back to your core authentic reason for starting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... I think Kodak is still going as a business. They had to pivot from being camera film to being digital. But it's authentic to what their brand is. It's sharing life memories or whatever. Capture the moment. Is is that their... I have no idea what Kodak is. I'll I'll Google it right now. How about that Kodak slogan? That wasn't for me pivoting. Pivoting is like, you know... um, using the word bay in your marketing and creating all of these bay products and bay named services and then in six months bay's not cool anymore it's honey and so then you have to rebrand to honey and you just become fickle and cheap Mm -hmm. i get what you're saying um bt dubs just a kodak situation it's it's actually really interesting because they're their coined advertising slogan is you press the button, we do the rest. So what it, happened to capture the in, moment? In, in, in their case, I, I believe what happened was they, it's not like they're, they're changing, you know, their brand. They're just adapting with the times. It's adapt or die. Everything went digital. They need to adapt they, to that. You I think know? they hopped on the bandwagon. Um, I mean, my favorite one. they have the Kodak Moments project. That's what I really like about them. And I think that they... Went from, okay, so film's out, so our camera, our bread and butter is going to be out. Okay, so what do we do next to just be in the game of capturing moments? Give us another gimmick. Okay. What else is out there that's so, like, overused? That fucking Monstera leaf. Is that the type of leaf it is? I'm going <laughs> to have to Google it. I don't even have internet there. By, by the way, whilst you're Googling that, do you even know what Bay actually stands for? Before anyone else. Exactly. Some people just think it's like a gangster way to say babe, but it actually means before anyone else. Don't worry. I Googled that too once. Okay, great. Good to um, know. Okay, so this is the leaf print. Now, please, yep. for our listeners at home, Monstera leaf, um, and I've seen this near my house. I don't even know if I brought this up in the last podcast. I'm going to have to listen to it. Um, There's a real estate agency. They've got Monstera Leaf as their branding. It's It's been done in the last year. It's in every window. It's on all their flyers. And I am wondering to myself, like, what is the average going rate for a complete brand package by an advertising and marketing company? Oh, it would be in the hundreds of thousands. It depends how big the business is. Or like uh, if it's a super small one-stop shop, maybe it's 10 grand. 
No, it would be more than that. It would be at least $40,000 minimum for that kind of shit. Yeah. It's not cheap. Branding's not cheap. I mean, even those roller posters that you see, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, like the, they're the rolling st- Yeah, they're so expensive. So, I mean, more than that, maybe they're, they're maybe $2,000 depends on the quality and the print and yeah. and, all, like, and the intricacies of the design. So they've spent like maybe twenty to forty dollars to $100,000. I don't know how big the real estate agency is if they're like a chain and then it's, you know, this huge contract. But I'm looking at it thinking, the fuck does that Monstera leaf have to do with you as a brand and it's kind of cool to incorporate some imagery into your branding like I'm fine with that Mm -hmm. um but are you only selling like homes with landscape elements uh I mean that would make sense with the whole like leaf (laughs) wallpaper okay great cool are we only doing like subtropical homes (laughs) I don't know and I'm wondering when the Monstera print has been completely OD'd are they spending another twenty, forty, a hundred thousand dollars to go with pastel green because that's the new green? It's not Monstera leaf anymore. Pastel is also trending. Oh jeez. I mean, look, I'm just gonna put it like that in this way. You don't see Hermes or Yves Saint Laurent or, you know, they changed it to, to Saint um, Laurent without Eve, but whatever, you still know it as YSL, you know, Louis Vuitton and stuff. You do not see them change the, the core essence of their brand. Yeah, no. they collaborate with different, um, you know, designers like Gucci right now for me, it's just being so cheapified. It's like a hybrid of Ed Hardy and bloody suppose, supposedly high fashion. Right. Um, but that that's my point. If you want to keep it classy, don't go with what's in trend. Go with what's authentic go for something timeless and that i think just represents you but like it's about maybe instead of spending 50 grand on a great marketing pack maybe spend 50 minutes on reflecting exactly what your brand actually stands for maybe i don't know so shout out to that real estate um company that we will not name i don't even know their name because all i saw was like (laughs) oh we're judging hard (laughs) but look Power to them for actually trying something different, for not wanting to look like Ray White, for not wanting to look... I get it. Like, you want to be modern. You want to be approachable to mums and dads. I am seeing what you're trying to do. I'm just wondering if it's coming across gimmicky rather than authentic. For sure. So, like, what do you think if you're... In their case, we don't even know... I don't even know their name. But... Let's assume that they're just a one-stop shop. It's only one of them. You go there. It's a mum and dad that walks in and they want everything done. They want to buy. They want to sell. They want to rent, whatever. What would you say they should do to show that they're different to the big guys than buy a gimmicky print? Hmm. I know. It's fun. What These should they do? Are so what should they do instead? Jesus. I think creating content that connects with people. Right. Don't spend so much money on the crap that you're going to put on the wallpaper on the front of the store. Focus on the meaty stuff, right? So if you want to spend money, spend it on production. 
create a freaking awesome trailer that represents your right team, um, your brand exactly. So that's what that's what I think. Something that in- involves the audience, or maybe create a hashtag that gets people to talk about you more. Right, kind of like salt bait. No one really loves. Not everybody loves steak. I'm sure that I you don't can, even eat steak. I uh, love salt bait. Exactly. So even 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 vegans are into salt bay. So that that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like that that's that's how I feel. Um, would be the best approach, really creating meaty, juicy content. I love or it. Or plant-based content if you're vegan. Um, ha <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's that. That's like a like a dad joke. Maybe on my they're part. a vegan real estate agency. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Imagine. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I I think would be the best strategy if you want to get sales, if you want to connect with people, create that juicy content. So let's just assume then if we have. Someone listening who maybe is just like you mm-hmm. and just like me, ex-corporates, um, maybe like the step step behind me, ex-corporate, really unsure how they want to go in their career, whether they want to work in small business, whether they want to maybe go back to big corporate, but don't want to lose sight of themselves again. Like I'm hearing this a lot. I don't even know who I am because all I've done is attach myself to this brand and not my brand. What is my brand? Um, So what are the types of questions that we would ask them or ask ourselves? If you want to do this, listeners, ask yourselves to develop what, our brand is as like um alana we were talking about earlier is first of all like how would you introduce yourself in a social setting so good how would you introduce yourself so you know what what do you do for example like if say for example if i'm i'm a journalist like i could be like hi i'm tatiana i'm a journalist or i could be like hi i'm tatiana and i i i'm a storyteller i share stories with with people i like exposing the truth and you know that kind of that kind of angle yeah. or i don't know give me another example so well for me when i meet uh it's just the most like beautiful experience i had talking to a lawyer the other day and he said to me hi i'm so and so i'm a refugee lawyer and hi <laughs> was so confused because I went through all of the varieties of this. I was like, you don't, you're a refugee. You have no accent. You have an Australian accent. Like, I mean, that's fine. You could still be a refugee, but okay. Do you work with refugees? Like, are you an immigration lawyer and you just got the wording wrong? But no, he was trying to identify himself as being like kicked out of legal world. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, it was a little bit confusing. And the way that he said it was a little bit uncertain. So he workshopped this a little bit further. And the messaging that actually came out was about connecting with people and caring about people and wanting to protect people from things they don't know about. And for you to say that that's what you do instead of saying, I'm a lawyer, which people almost immediately screw their nose up at, mm-hmm. was so powerful. For me, I can say, hi, I'm Alana. I'm a business consultant. And people go, ah. Delightful. Ah, in Mandarin or Cantonese, Korean, because I don't really fucking know what you're saying anyway. Like, what is a business consultant? It could literally be from here to Norway, Exactly. So instead, I would say, hi, I'm Alana. 
I work with business owners to prepare them for growth in various ways. It can be creating meaningful goals together. It can be mobilizing staff to feel excited about achieving those goals. It can be changing how we communicate with our customers to create the right experience for acquisition. Um, But that sounds like something you can understand I do it because I love it. I Mm. want people to grow. I want people to have meaning. Um, So it's basically identifying what you do and the purpose behind why you are doing it. And that's how you really align on what your brand messaging would be. Right. So, I mean, what if you didn't like the job that you were in? Or didn't like the business that you had started? Maybe you inherited a family business. Because I also, you know, am mindful that there are people that may eventually listen to us that are just trying to find what their career will be. So Mm -hmm. how do I know what my purpose is? I mean, this goes back to last week's episode, but I think now that we're doing like this deeper questioning process, Mm -hmm. what are the questions you've asked yourself? So, I mean, one thing would be if money, you know, was no object, what would I do? Right. You know, but obviously not just like, oh yeah, go spend millions and live chill in the Bahamas or go travel everywhere. But you know, if, if, if money wasn't an issue, what would I do? Yeah. So, you know, that really made me evaluate, okay, this is what I actually enjoy doing and what I would do for free. Or what Um, would you pay to do? Oh, that's another, that's another thing. Like that's so interesting because we really don't often put our money where our mouth is. No, but then again, like, did we not pay for our college degrees, our university degrees? Well, I'm currently paying for mine. Exactly. Yeah. Hex. We love you. Anyway. I think like I would voluntarily pay, like I voluntarily pay to go educate myself on professional development Mm-hmm. speaking, and I pay to go and just sit there and maybe meet people that also pay to go. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew I had an inkling for this organizational behavior, human behavior, mindset, connectedness. Um, what are some other questions? So another question would be, say, and I, I encountered this when I was in a full-time job that I wasn't particularly fond of or in love with, um, you know, with what I was doing was what what in your job gives you the most joy? So that thing, that, and also, you know, what do you do in your spare time outside of that work routine? What do you go out of your way to do that excites you? So say, for example, you know, I was working in a marketing role, very corporate, any chance that I would get in my spare time, let's just put exercise and all of that kind of stuff aside would be production. So I would meet up with my friend who's like a video producer and we would just do photo shoots and we'd take like crazy outside the box pictures. And that would get, you know, for me, like that would be my highlight of the week. Cause I'm right. like, okay, I've got my job. I've got my money. I've done my, you know, like my exercise and my health kind of related like activities and this is what inspires me. Right. So maybe look at that and that's a sign, okay, I should pursue this. Where you spend your time, where you spend your money. I also think it's really interesting what you talk about. So I know um, for me, I've transitioned away from a lot of friends because the more I was spending my time doing what I loved, which is business and growth and mindset and blah, blah, blah. We all know this, Alana. Um, the less interesting I was to the old people I used to hang out with before I kept learning all of this stuff. Okay. So I would go to social events with certain people from, say, my university group of friends, and they all studied law, so they loved drinking and 
letting loose because they hated the day-to-day. And I would be like, oh, great idea. Let's hash out ideas. Let's talk about, you know, what positive... What positive behaviors are you implementing in your life right now? Yeah, man. And no one was having a bar of it. So I realized, like, Is okay. it because they were drunk, though? Or, like, they're probably shit-faced. You know, I don't think they're looking no, for No, I inspo. don't think that they were drunk at that point. I, like, if they were drunk, I would probably have been, like, closely following them. And okay. probably not coherent enough to have that combo. But if you're at a semi-casual function... I notice what I live to talk about, what I get excited to talk about and won't stop talking about, yeah, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, for sure. So if you're working at a fish and chip shop and you just keep talking about yoga, then you really need to deviate your path. I mean, this is a very, you know, far-fetched juxtaposition. Um, It's so true. Like, um, (laughs) you could do both. I mean, you could. I'm not saying, like, I was multitasking. <laughs> fish and chip shops have, yeah, like, hours. I, I mean, for sure. But I've known people, for example, that, you know, have done a complete, like, I don't even know if it's a 180 or a 360, whatever you want to call it, where they're working in a very, like, corporate job and then they just become, like, a yogi and then just start doing yoga workshops I and feel like that's all over the world. I feel like that's a very common um, turnaround. But for me, I think that that is almost step one of someone finding their purpose. Now, a lot of people are born to be yogis and I am in love with them. Like I avidly practice yoga. I live and breathe the benefits of yoga. But when I see someone leave a heavily stressful, highly strung out corporate role and go to Bali and do a yoga teacher training course, my first question is like, that's a big swing on the pendulum. So imagine your life is a pendulum and you've got super stressed at one end. If you get all the way to where it's like, it can't go any higher on that pendulum and you let go, how far does it swing the other direction? It'll swing all the way to Zen town. You're a Buddhist, you're, (laughs) you know, you're doing all of that. But eventually the pendulum kind of slows down and comes to this middle ground. And I think a lot of yogis end up coming back to something a little more between their two lives. Okay, so how do we reach that, you know? Without the swing? Yeah, just 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 a moderate swing, not like the full-blown. And this is something you know? that's like super important in life, the balancing out our reactions to things so that they are kind of just that moderate. You can keep track of them. You don't have to reinvent yourself. You don't have to have a mental breakdown. You don't have to join an ashram like moderating your emotions, I guess, or processing the things that are going on in your life. And then also being proactive about what do I want in my life? And is this aligned? Doing that life audit, maybe at the beginning of every month, you know, okay, I still hate this job. I'm still not sleeping at night. So how much longer will I tolerate that? And what are my priorities? But we can talk about that definitely another time. I feel like that would be more of the topic of balancing your mental health and say like a really high stress kind of career. We will do an entire segment on mental health or like I think we'll probably do 14 segments on it because your internal world is reflected in your external world. So like primary focus is internal. So bringing that back to, you know, internal focus, external focus, 
back to brand alignment. Love it. Give us another brand that just fell to shits because they were not true to themselves. Um, we were chit-chatting about Napoleon. Did you want to share that story? Okay. So, and I'm, I mean, you had no idea about this, right? No, for me, Napoleon Purtis was like something, like a brand that you get your makeup done for your semi-formal in Australia. I don't even think it's a worldwide known brand. Well, but, um, it, well, I didn't know shit about it, honestly. Is that it is now or was? So Napoleon Tatiana didn't. I don't even think knew. Oh, you did stop, tell me that it went bust. Yeah, it did go bust. I didn't know like the story behind okay. it though. So I don't know the complete story, but what I do understand of it, I find quite intriguing because this is solely my perception okay. of the pieces of information that I have had access to through multiple social platforms. Napoleon Pettis go-to makeup brand. It was like Mac or Napoleon when you were getting your formal makeup done. Loved that. Loved it. Super interesting guy. A little metrosexual, I think we'll say. Um, Big person. And he was the face of the brand. And I thought that that was actually really authentic, even though he was kind of a show pony and maybe putting it on. The fact that he was in every video applying the makeup and he was the makeup artist that was like demonstrating Napoleon really was congruent for me as a messaging. For sure. So my understanding that is that in an attempt to grow the market share and revenue opportunity, they moved to the States. They may have moved to the States for like personal reasons. We just, in terms of the business, the business became US focused. Okay. Napoleon has daughters. They're all American. They all have American accents. That's kind of where they've been living. And I've just seen an absolute turning, complete turning around, turning away from, detaching from, disregarding, overriding something of their original branding. So it's become, it was sold in Target. Yeah, that just like which just was not it just was not consistent with what you were doing before because the packaging changed to become like a cheaper line sold in Target. Um, they were using, I think this is not like a super criticism because I think it's amazing to have family businesses, but it looks like they were just almost using the business as a carriage for the younger Napoleon kids modeling or acting careers okay so does that make sense like, like a vessel for them to get their the face out yeah i get you and it wasn't really consistent so when i was looking at napoleon but way back when i'm looking at blonde bronzed girls the australian babe and I remember that they had really flashy um, eyeshadows as well, like Great. kind of like aqua kind of uh, vibes. So that's kind of gone. We don't recognize mm. anything. I'm not seeing any Napoleon in Australia anymore, which I think is almost like a real shame because you're just discrediting your roots, which Australians are the first to cut you down. The minute you turn your back on Australia, it's like definitely you're done. We're done with you um, on a personal and a business brand sense. So... The last I saw of Napoleon, they just broke it a deal to be stocked at a chemist chain. Okay. No, that's not going to work. That's not true to the brand anymore. And within six months, you know, in liquidation. So I think it's really watching that journey from how do we grow our business to be bigger in size and bigger in opportunity and bigger in reach and money without 
growing away from who we are and why we're here. And that goes back to what I spoke about in the previous podcast, which is building the foundation, making sure you do have that message house intact. Yeah. Um, and but do you audit your message house? Definitely. Okay. Like, look at Kodak. They definitely needed some freaking remessaging there. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that was a complete change in, in, the, in the photography industry altogether. So they have to. So it depends on the nature of your business. But every year you should do an audit. But just as long as the key, the core, you know, values are there. Yeah. I want to talk about this in just one other example yeah. because Kodak has really come through for me today. Like, yes. Click, click. Click, click, Kodak. Um, Kodak was able, in my opinion, was able to change product, which is the core part of their business, right? Because their brand purpose was always capturing moments. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just, someone back me up that that's their fucking (laughs) brand. I have no idea. I need to Google that. Um, So it doesn't matter how we do it. We don't sell cameras. We sell memories. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how. We can change product. You look at Nokia. They didn't sell connecting. They sold phones. Literally. And what are they doing now? What are they doing? I honestly could not tell you what they're doing. (laughs) But it's because the focus really was so limited. It was so focused on product revenue, product revenue, market share, growth, and what is their branding? Nothing now. I mean... But what was it? I don't even remember. Like, was it strong enough? Was, was it, it meaningful? Was it, I don't know. I remember Motorola was, hello, Moto. What is what is Nokia? Like, hey, Nokia. No, I have no idea. I that was my first phone ever, by the way. Same. And I was so attached to it. And so it's then such a shame to, like, miss out on the customer experience being about more than the item. It's a lifestyle. When you're when you're coming up with any kind of brand, you're selling a lifestyle. You're selling your you know? vision. Yeah. And for- I want to be a part of that journey. So I look at luxury brands as being the like quintessential delivery of selling a brand and you will buy any fucking product that they release. Yep. I actually speaking of brands, did you hear about this whole Zara rebranding? They changed the font. No. So everyone's going ape shit over this and we'd love to know what you think if you're listening to this. Um How do hit I us up on our social this? platforms. Yeah, so Zara, everyone is going ape shit over this. So they, like obviously everyone knows Zara, it's quite a spaced out kind of font. They decided to just like mush it all together. Why? I don't know. Do they save costs on labels? No and- fucking idea. It's like an O C D nightmare. I hate it. I mean I like the well spaced out Zara. But now, you know, something as simple as changing the font of your brand can really piss people off. So that's something to be mindful of as well. (laughs) I think it's interesting when you do something like that as well, like almost immediately everything you own from Zara up until that point is now obsolete. You everyone knows it's old stock. Do you know what I mean? For sure. Someone saw your label. When you took your jacket off, they'd be like, oh, shame. You got that, obviously, a year ago. So I'm going to show you the before and after. Shame. So, yeah, I'm just showing a lot right now in the studio. So it's literally the OG Zara, beautifully spaced out, and then it just looks like... It does look cheaper, doesn't it? And it kind of looks like they copied the Harper's Bazaar font. It does look like they copied the Harper's Bazaar But like, that works squished because Harper's Bazaar is such a long title. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, head like that made headlines. So that's something as well to be mindful of. I think we will just finish on headlines because hopefully that's what our podcast number two will do. Yeah, I hope so. 
We hope you guys enjoyed this segment of aligning your brands. What are we talking about next? I mean, yeah, I hope that there was some like useful tips. Next, how I sound so happy on the podcast. I honestly have 100% just excitement and gratitude every day, even though I mostly shit my pants. <laughs> every time I go into a meeting or do, deliver client work, I'm like, cool, 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 shitting my pants. It's more it's more like living your best life and having a mental breakdown at the same time. No, that's too polarized. I mean, I feel like that's me, literally. So okay. guys, I'm stable though. I'm stable. Next episode, Sometimes. getting you off the pendulum. <laughs> Okay, thanks everyone so much. You've been listening to the Business Playground and we will see you next ep. Bye guys and thanks for having me once again. <laughs>